Are you looking for a resource to discuss all topics air conditioning? Well, you're in the right space. Join the Rawson boys as they discuss the hot topics and the cold hard facts. This is the Air Conditioning Podcast. G'day guys and welcome to another episode of the Air Conditioning Podcast where we discuss all things air conditioning, the hot topics and the cold hard facts. Brad. Cold hard facts. Yeah. And here we are, another another week, another round. Another week. Another podcast down. Yeah. But what a podcast we have ahead of us today. Correct. We've got a very uh, special guest today. We have and uh, we've had some very, very uh, high caliber guests you might say. Correct. And this, today, this is uh, one of them. Yeah, well, this yeah. is without doubt. This is yeah. uh, going to be yeah. a, a, an absolute belter. So, uh, looking forward to that. But uh, how's your week been so far? Not too bad. It's been uh, nice weather. Mm. It's warming up, so things are starting around to the corner. things are starting to happen. Yeah, uh, starting yeah. to get busier. Good. You can hear the panic starting to creep in their yeah, voice, can't it's you? Like nearly November. How soon? Yeah. How soon? I need it done before Christmas. That's it. <laughs> and that, that'll only uh, pick up, won't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Right, so we're going to jump straight into this Let's today, it. guys. It's nice and bright and early, Brad, because yep. we, uh, our, our uh, illustrious guest is from the US of A. Yep. And um, now, uh, Al Levy is um, a gentleman who's been working, who was working more than 25 years uh, in a family plumbing, heating and cooling business. Uh, he then sold his shares uh, to his brothers uh, and retired from the contracting business. Over the past 15 years, uh, Al has traveled all over the North uh, America to help contractors implement his seven power system and rain power over their businesses so they can run them with less stress and more success, Brad. Yeah. Uh, he's also the uh, author of the seven power contractor book. Yep. And I've read, I've read it, it. you've read and it. And it's it fantastic. Fantastic. So everyone needs to give it a good read. They will indeed. And uh, we'll, uh, Bring Al in. Al, welcome to the show, mate. Well, thank you. Uh, I have to, because uh, like, you know, dad joke. Thank you for not giving me a frosty, cold reception. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Is that, is that a cold, hard fact? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, very nice. Well, uh, we just want to say how grateful we are, Al, for your time today. And, uh, Albeit we stuffed up the time, didn't we, Brad? We uh, an hour early, but there you go. And Al being the true um, gentleman that he is, gave us his time. We've had a, a chat off air first, but uh, Al, thank you again for joining us. And, and look, um, if you can just start to talk about your, take us right back to the beginning and how it all, all came about for you. I was sharing with these guys before we came on the podcast is that uh, my formal entry to the business, you know, uh, I got... Uh, taken around by my dad to go meet his cup customers and my dad introduced me to one of his longtime customers and the guy said to my dad Irving he goes how lucky you are to have all three of your boys now in the business my dad is a very quiet man he waits a second and he goes yep now I know what I've been doing wrong for 30 years <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah I come from a long line of family business actually I'm the third generation our business was started in 1936 wow. and um my brother, my middle brother, older than me, is still in the business with my nephew, fourth generation. Wow. And so that really takes systems, and that's really what I'm about. Mm -hmm. The joke of it is that I've been now known as the operations guy because, you know, I have the manuals and the training, and I'm also the staffing guy. But that's not how really I began my career. Yeah. <laughs> my career was knocking on doors, door-to-door -door sales, you know, trying to open up and gain customers and it's amazing how good you get to the point when you get a door slammed in your face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. yeah. And so I got really great at sales and marketing and my team was really good at blowing them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I something. So I had to go, whoa, yeah. I, I had to set up the system so we could make it go and grow faster. And then, uh, you know, my particular case, I added on services like plumbing, gas, heating, air conditioning, electrical, and that in uh, New York city, <laughs> I've been told I have a little bit of an accent. But maybe it doesn't come across in Australia. No. <laughs> but if I say water, I got water in my water. faucet. Uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'll get yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> They'll know. So, so starting out knocking on doors, Al, uh, and having doors shut in your face, I'm sure you would have had to think about your handling objections at that point. It's amazing how quick you get to the point, like you said, handling objections and stuff. Yeah. But I got really good. And 
you know, of course I teach sales is one of my, you know, seven powers. I always talk about planning, operation, staffing, sales, sales, coaching, marketing, financial. Those are the seven areas. Everybody, I could tell you when I was sat in contractor chairs, you know, before I went off and did consulting is every day I woke up, I thought there were 7 million things I had to get right to make this thing work. And we were a good sized company, by the way, we were yeah. 70 people strong. So it wasn't like a little company, yeah. Uh, but it was just chaos, crazy chaos. Everybody, you know, just running with their head chopped off. Yeah. If you follow the drift. Yeah. And it wasn't until we put these systems in and then we really settled on these seven pillars, if you will. And, but I always stress if you were building your great home, which is your company, well, you ought to put a great foundation under it. And yeah. so that's what the seven things are. And there's only two types of companies I've ever worked with over the years. They're either, you know, guys who've gotten to a certain point where they get topped out. There are no more days in the uh, week, the more weeks in the month, they run out of time and they can't clone themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, because my brothers and I were looking for clones yeah. and they weren't yeah. coming. Yeah. And so we had to recognize that without systems, we couldn't get to that next level. So in their case, I helped put a foundation under it so that they can go and grow. Other times I meet some really phenomenal growing shops. You know, they've learned the secrets of acquisition or being great at organic marketing. Uh, but the bad news is every time they grow, they add more gasoline on a fire. Like my good friend, Tommy Mello, A1 Garage, yeah. who's a guest of yours and yeah. was a client of mine. My job was to put the foundation because he can grow it like heck, no question at all. Yeah. But we needed to grow it the right way. And now he's just, it's going yeah. exponential. Yeah. yeah. Pretty being cool a, stuff. Being with a, uh, an established company uh, with 70, 70 people strong, how hard is it to, to all of a sudden bring in these systems and get them in place? Was there a bit of a kickback when, when you were doing this? Or did you do it gradually over a long period of time? Well, you know, New Yorkers are kind and friendly and courteous people, and we're always willing to try and learn something new. No, no. <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> no, forget about it. Yeah, no, so we were in New York, and worse than that, guys, we were a union shop. Yeah, union. I don't know if they have the same thing, but so we had a lot of rules and regulations, and um, you know, basically, because <laughs> all these stories are way funnier, is what I always say. Now they're not that yeah. funny then, but yeah. it was really a lot of banging heads yeah. when I showed up, and I just finally went to the union guys and I said, you know what? Here's how I see it. We're going over the cliff, and I'm okay going over the cliff. You want to go over the cliff? If not. The two of us have to figure out how we can work together in a better way. Yeah. And to their credit, they heard that message and they worked with me in creating the, you know, the manuals, the training, the systems, and really willing to step up their game, which really was the survival and really the key thing for us to get control of our business, yeah. go and grow from there. So yeah, it was a lot of steps along the way. The whole big thing about systems is if you don't get buy-in, but buy-in is always built on the front end not trying to get it on the back end. Yeah. So I was very lucky, very, very lucky. I had a, a great Dan Hollihan was a heating guru in uh, New York and I was lucky enough to be friendly with him. And um, so we got to talking about the need for manuals, which was the first of the powers we really put in place. And so, uh, you know, he, he said to me, Al, you know, you need to have these manuals. Like, and I maybe read the famous book, Michael Gerber's E-Myth. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was a game changer for me. And that, um, I, before that, I, I didn't know why this thing couldn't get fixed. And once I read the book, the two things I took away from it was, if you're always working in the business and never on it, nothing's going to change. Well, I understand the definition of insanity. <laughs> I was, and I was living it. So I, it gave me what I needed to do and why I needed to do, but the how was not there. But I'm pretty good at getting stuff done. I'm, uh, you know, problem solving is my thing. And yep. so I, Dan says to me, you know, you got to get everybody together. And I go, why? He goes, Al, I know you. You're going to lock yourself in, the door in your office and just bang it out and come out like the Ten Commandments. Yeah, right. All of you should obey. And yeah. He goes, that's not going to work. Yeah. And so fortunately, we hired him. We spent a lot of money, actually with him and the meetings. We had a lot of meetings because the other brilliance that Dan pointed out to me is that, you know, a lot of times we blame the tech, the dispatcher, the CSR, they all affect one another. So that's what we always talk about, the triangle of communication. And it, a triangle to stand it, it, all legs have to be good. So 
the CSR builds the momentum, takes the call right, captures all the information, and then they hand it off to the dispatcher. Now, even if it's them, they have to be the happy hostess in the restaurant, hang up the phone, and magically turn into, oh my God, how am I going to get this all done as a dispatcher, right? How do yeah. I maximize the billable hours? So that's what they have to do. Preferably as your company gets big enough, the sooner you can break those two roles apart, the more money you will uncover, yeah. always. And there's a reason for it if you want to know more. But mm. the dispatcher then, you know, maximizes the billable days, works with the service manager, gets all the information out to the tech, and the tech runs the call the right way and gets all the information back to the dispatcher to close that loop. And if you make any breaks or any changes in any one of them, you've messed up that whole triangle. That's what fixed Tommy Mello's company the fastest. Right. Just those three key yeah. manuals. Now, we did them all. Yeah. He's got 30 some odd manuals. Yeah. But that, those are the most important of the three to get started. Mm-hmm. That's CSR, dispatcher, to tech. Yeah. 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 Can you just expand on how, how separating those, uh, the dispatch and the CSR, how that you were just in, indicating that, that can uncover money? Um, how does that work? Thank you for asking. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I knew, I knew so, you wanted to go there. <laughs> I, I did want to go there. Yeah. But, but, I, but I thought it was presumptuous if I just jumped in. So <laughs> yeah, here's what the reality is. If you're the dispatcher and the CSR, what happens is you don't mean to, but you will automatically repel the phone calls coming in, those calls you need, because you're looking at it. Oh, how am I going to get this all done? When you're on the phone, that's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Your job is to build the momentum, the sales momentum, make a person feel good that they're not, that they didn't interrupt your day because that's what you sound like, that you will repeat the information so they know they've been heard and build sales momentum for the great tech, Al, who's mm. going to come make their life good again. You with me? Yep. yep. And that's their whole job. Yep. The dispatcher's job is to work with the service manager and figure out how do I maximize what I call billable hours? Is that a term you guys use? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cause that really at the end of the day, you know, the mistake most companies make, including the one I used to make is we think about we're selling equipment. We really aren't. We're selling our labor hours. That's really what we need to do. So when you get your mindset about billable hours and how to maximize it, it really gets easy. So I usually share if, if I had, if I was consulting you and I only had two minutes in your office, I would take an eight foot, wall with a paintbrush and just write billable hours and walk out because that's how critical it is. And so the dispatcher and the service manager together figure that out. Here's the hard part. You know, we all as contractors, we love people. We love our customers. Now they can drive us crazy, (laughs) but, but the point is with, is we're here to serve. That's what we do. Mm. And so the part of this is, you need to create more calls than you can humanly do in a day, which sounds counter. Now, what I always talk about in marketing power, it's the right amount of calls from the right customer at the right time. The three rights of marketing. So your job is to make it as wide as you can at the top, because if you do, then you get to be selective as to who you go to and for how much money. And we'll figure it out. Then it also, of course, puts pressure on you to get more techs in trucks. And, you know, that's one thing that I'm really good at. And one thing that I've shared all along is about how to build the techs you've always dreamed about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, if I can go back a, a step there, Al, um, when we're looking, working from day to day, and as you say, work, we're working in the business and not on it. And you're kind of taking those calls, you're doing the work, you're billing, you're doing all that stuff and get caught up in the day to day. So, we, how, this, is our, this is our life. This is our life. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we, we are, Brad and I are obviously learning about the, the systems and all this sort of stuff as well, which is, it's, it's fascinating to, to get your head around. But for someone just starting out, what would your advice be to just get, the, just get off the ground? Because you talk about in your book as well about contractor overload as well. You've got all this information, you've got the podcast, you've got this type of scenario. Where, where does someone start? Yeah, you know, I, I think that goes to planning power. Mm. <clears throat> and planning power is working on the right thing at the right time in the right way. So 
all the great ideas that are in your head, <laughs> every great idea that you've got on a podcast like this one, yeah. or you read my book or anything else, you need to put it into a, you know, Google Doc, Word Doc, or, or a project management board like mm -hmm. Trello, whatever you like to use. Yeah. But basically the way to think of it is <clears throat> all of this gets put on the top of the funnel. So all the projects and habits that you have in your mind that you want to get done, go to the top of the funnel. And that's where they sit until you take out the two strainers, fixes the biggest problem or challenge, or gives you the greatest chance to grow and be profitable. Mm -hmm. And that is the only way they move down that funnel. Mm -hmm. They get to the top 30 and the 30 would be if I was working with you guys, we come up with the 30 we agree on next year at this time, how many of those 30 did we get done? But you can't work on 30. I'm talking about, I've worked with some of the biggest companies out there. I don't care how much money you have and I don't care how many people you have, you will just drive your company insane and do it all wrong. So one more time to that list of 30, you take out the same strainers, biggest problem or challenge, greatest chance to grow and be profitable and you get down to your top five. And the five is the key thing. Now, some of those are projects and some of those are habits. For instance, a habit is, learning the steps of delegation. Now, if you're like me, I was not a born delegator. I was a dumper. And what I would do is just walk down the office and go, hey, take care of that. Hey, take care of this. Go clean the warehouse. You know, and I was thoroughly disappointed with all these people. And I blamed them. But of course, it was me because I didn't do, do the delegation the right way. You know, put it in writing, setting up timeframes, a whole bunch of really good things. Yeah. So that's not a project, but that's probably one of the biggest habits you've got to get in at your company. Yeah. Now it's on the top five. Here's the deal for you guys and everybody listening. If it's become a top five, because you said one of those two things, biggest problem or challenge fixed, greatest chance to be profitable, there is nothing in your week that's more important than that. Now, here's the trick. We as contractors, far and away are perfectionists. We want it perfect. And we don't like to lose a battle. And until I was ready to lose a battle to win a war, I never could make the progress that I needed to. Mm -hmm. The second thing I learned to say to myself, and this was hard, at the end of the day, I would say, now the day would be late, <laughs> but here's what I would tell you is, I would say to myself, you know what? Good enough for today, I'll make it better tomorrow. But it's going out into the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so those are really some key habits that need to be ingrained to be able to go further and make sure. So that's really the, place where it all starts because otherwise you're free to get banged all over the place. Mm. Ellen Rohr, I don't know if you know that name, Ellen Rohr is phenomenal. Yeah. She also yeah. worked with Tommy and frankly, pretty much all, she, she refers to herself as my work wife. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we've known her, we've known each other for so long. We're, you yeah. know, she, yeah. for me, takes care of the financial power and the sales coaching power and because that's our reward program we put together. But, you know, she really talks about that, you know, if, you either have a plan or you will be planned for, and you mm -hmm. do not want to continue your life that way. It's yeah. really, when I talk about wanting less stress and more successful, that's what I wanted for me yeah. when, all those years ago. Because yeah. I was making a lot of money, but I was on a very bad path. Mm -hmm. I was 40 pounds heavier than this. And I was, my blood pressure was high. I mean, it was all the things you ever heard about. And I could see this was a bad path. And luckily for me, good mentors came into my life, like Dan, like Ellen, and I was able to pull up and get things fixed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, true for, I mean, I've heard that saying before, if you've failed to, pl uh, failed to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah, yes, say. So, I, uh, I agree, I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's gotta be in writing though. So let's, I don't care if it's document, I don't care if you handwrite yeah. it, but it's, if it's not in writing, so I always talk about if it's not written, it's not real. Yeah, right. yeah. Yep. Your your seven uh, points, uh, our uh, planning, operations, financial staffing, marketing, sales, sales coaching, and leadership. Um, can you sort of just, I know we're short of time, but can you sort of briefly touch on those? Okay, I will do my very best. So planning <laughs> power, we already touched about, is to yeah. have that plan, but yeah. it's working on the right thing at the right time, the right way. Mm -hmm. Operating power is documenting in writing the policies and procedures it takes to run your company. And so it starts with a really good org chart, very flat, not the fancy titles, CIO, CFO, CEO, CTO. You get my point, it's the boxes <laughs> yeah. it takes to run your company. Yeah. yeah. 
then having a manual for each of those boxes. But the most important manuals, this is what's funny, is the people at the bottom of the org chart. Because mm -hmm. really the manager's job, first, second, and third, is to hold the people below them who report to them accountable to their manuals. Yeah. And then there's some other things that they do. So that's operating power. Staffing power is really finding the holes in your existing staff because they all got them. And yeah. they're so deathly afraid that you'll find out. So myself, my brother Richie, and our service manager, we were wise ass New Yorkers. <laughs> and so we loved finding out what you didn't know and making a big deal about it. So of course, you're never going to show us what you don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. We, had to, we had to teach ourselves first to say, whatever you don't know, it's now my problem. I will show you. You will demonstrate it to me. Now, if you don't do it in the field or at your desk, then we have a compliance problem. Are we clear? Yeah. And so that really changed the dynamics. So we made it safe for people to show us their holes, find the existing holes in your existing people. Second one is, if, as I always like to say, if you've ever done any job interviewing, have you ever gotten a no to any question you ever asked about their experience? Mm. Air conditioning, are you kidding? I must have done a thousand frozen air conditioning coils. That's my best favorite thing to do. Yeah. Now they may not be lying, but what's the chances they would do it your way if you've never defined it? Mm. And so that's really kind of finding again where in these existing people, but you want to do it while you're in the hiring process. Yeah, yeah. And so that's really, and by the way, the same thing goes for your office. Accounts receivable, accounts payable person. So you familiar with QuickBooks? Yeah, What's the yeah. only answer you'll ever get? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 do it yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Well, yeah. instead of us taking two minutes and making them actually go to a desk and do something, yeah. that's my point. My brothers and I, we were desperate when we would hire. So yeah. we couldn't do any of this stuff. And my, yeah. my, my oldest brother, who, Marty, who was the inside guy, he nicknamed our hiring process back in the dark old days. He called it the mirror test. And I have to spell it M-I-R-R-O-R. Hold up the mirror. If you fog it, you're hired. Because we were so desperate. <laughs> <laughs> the five steps are always be recruiting, always hiring, always orienting, always training, always retaining. Yeah. That's a lot more about staffing power, but those are the key things. The last one is my brother and I, Richie and I, with the last two techs standing out of 25 guys. And we were in the office at one, two o'clock in the morning. And Richie would look at me and go, Shane? Shane was the best guy at their shop? He's like mediocre here. And I can't believe we overpaid him. <laughs> and so we finally got sick. And we just said, you know what? No more. We're building yeah. them from scratch. We found young, willing people with no skills. We had the manuals. We had the training curriculum. We had a training center with hands-on. And we built our own people from scratch, from the bottom up. And that really is what staffing power is about. Mm -hmm. Sales power is really about ethical selling, in my opinion. I never sold anybody anything that was not in their best interest. Now, mm -hmm. I will recommend everything yeah. based on the questions I ask. And so I ask good questions. And one of the hard things as a New Yorker is I had to learn how to shut up <laughs> and actually prove I was listening, yeah. which was difficult. And yeah. so it was funny when you guys were talking about the early on when we first got started about how soon can you be here? Well, it came a time in my life where it was crazy busy. And, um, you know, at the point it changed from not how much, how soon. And so I'm in the middle of this presentation, you know, going through it. Customer interrupts me and goes, Al, sounds great. How soon can we get started? I go, hang on a minute. And I continue to plow ahead yeah. in my presentation, which, no, don't do that. Yeah. But you follow, yeah. I, I, I really you have to have a sales process. Yeah. Mine is five steps. Yeah. Yep. Five steps that a sales tech or your big ticket salesperson can follow each and every time. And it's really geared to asking good questions, exploring the needs, looking at everything. Because a lot of times customers steer you in the wrong place. Mm. They're looking at the symptom, but not the cause. So I always make the analogy is, if you go to a doctor and say, my, my, my big finger, hurts my thumb yeah and all he does is just put a band-aid on it get up and leave they should be checking your blood pressure right there's, yeah. there's a reason these things happen That's so true. sales is it sales yeah. coaching is the reward program and basically the way that ellen and i believe in reward programs is you, i'm not rewarding you with the money in my wallet i'm rewarding you with the money you create so we need to know 
our financial picture, which is what Alan teaches, known financial position. Mm -hmm. And then if you go above goals, so here's how it works is whatever your truck is, I want, let's say $250,000 for your truck. Yeah. You bring me $1 more, $250,000 and one. I'm going to be very generous with that dollar because I wasn't figuring on it. Yeah. You bring me the 250000 I love you. Keep coming to work, but there's no more reward above. You go 2499 I will coach you, but only for so long. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. So that's what sales coaching is about. And we reward the service tech who makes good recommendations, does the work right, minimize callbacks, good job. He gets paid for going above. Mm -hmm. We reward the big ticket salesperson who sold the job based on projected material, projected labor, gross profit desired, did we go green or not? Which means we won or we didn't. Yeah. And that takes the other part of this, which is the installer. They need to bring that job in on time, on budget, with no callback. So now they're both like this, yeah. holding each other's hand. Because if one of them fails, they both fail. It yeah. is amazing yeah. how well that works. Now it's yeah. ugly at the beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody's money is on the table, but it's amazing how they figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. so those are the three people that we're rewarding. Yeah. Financial, which I got to quickly, was Ellen's idea is that there's two types of accounting. There's what your accountant accounting gives you, which is fancy terms, helps you minimize taxes, helps you delay taxes, but it doesn't run your company in the moment financially. You can't make good decisions based on that. So Ellen's thing is really about knowing how to do budgeting. So you can drive your financial car, like she says, by looking out the window, front window versus looking in your mirror. Yeah. That's really what financial power. And then of course it sets the stage for that sales coaching that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marketing, which we touched on before is the right amount of calls from the right customer at the right time. Yeah. 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 Did, I them, did I get them all? Yeah, 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 I, I was just yeah. ticking them off. Yeah, you've done very well there. And I, I, I read in your book, you, the difference you talk about, the difference between marketing and actually advertising. Yeah, advertising to me is just a piece of marketing. And so, uh, and actually the other thing, Ellen and I always get into these philosophical discussions. We've known each other for 20, 20 plus years. So when we're writing or working together, we'll get into these crazy conversations. And one day she looks over me and she goes, what comes first, sales or marketing? So I said, sales. She goes, well, if you don't market, your phone's not going to ring. I go, if you don't know how to sell and you have marketing like heck, it doesn't matter because you're just going to blow all the opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Right. Said, Here's the thing is when I knew sales really well and I knew what made my ideal customer tick, my marketing was so much more effective because I knew how to reach them. I knew what motivated them. That's why sales always comes first. Yeah. And so the idea is if I can't sell to one shame, how can I sell to a million shame? <laughs> so you really need to kind of, round that together. Advertising is the vehicles you use, which of course is only what, a million ways to go to market these days? Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I like acquisition because I kind of grew up on it. If not for my dad and uncle doing acquisition, we were in an area that Urban Renewal took away our customer base. And if they hadn't gone to chase where their customers had moved to, there would have been no business for us. What we found out though, it is the best marketing dollar spent. Now there's a trick to it, like all things, but yeah, it's really yeah. good. And of course, Nowadays, you know, online marketing is really very powerful as well. Yeah. Done right. Yeah. All of this is the equivalent of done right. Yeah, that's, that's the secret. I remember reading, um, you talked about um, just one, one um, opportunity that you, that you took up was um, there was a, a, a competitor that had uh, closed their business and <laughs> you, you were looking for their number, their phone number. Tell us about that one. Well, yeah, there were, I'm not sure if it's the same story that my dad taught me a lesson about the road has many bends. Is that the one we were talking about? Yes. I, cause, yeah, yes. Okay. So yeah, so I was young and I was aggressive. <laughs> I'll put it nicely. I was, I really wanted to grow. I wanted to prove my, my, my worth. And so I found out that one of my competitors, they had had a fire at their building and you know, they couldn't roll their trucks that day. And I came to the office and my dad, my brothers, we all sat in a very small office together because my dad's philosophy was very simple. We don't even make any money with all of you sitting here. Go out <laughs> to where you got to go. And so, um, 
I tell the story to my dad, you know, this company, they really, you know, you know they're, they have a problem. And I said, we can go like door to door and pick up the customers. And my dad reaches for the phone and he starts dialing. I go, what are you, who are you calling? He goes, sit down and learn something. And so he calls up the owner of that company. And he says, my, my son told me that you had a fire or a problem. You send me all of the calls. I will run them. They will always be your customers. They're never going to be a problem, but I'm here to help you out. Mm-hmm. So he hangs up the phone. I go, what was that about? He goes, you need to learn a lesson about the road has many bends. Yeah, today you might be up, but tomorrow you won't. You just got to do the right thing. Well, anyway, the story gets better as it goes along. The guy sells his business to somebody else. He fulfills his restrictive you know, covenant. As soon as it's done, he goes to every customer and says, you need to be buying from Irving. <laughs> so he got all the customers. Yeah, that's wow. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good lesson to do the right thing. Yeah, for sure. Unbelievable. Yeah. And um, if we could just go back just for a minute, um, so we're getting, running out of time, but uh, when it comes to hiring good staff, Al, what's your, what's your suggestions around some tips around doing and finding the right people and keeping them? Are you talking about for your own staff or are you talking yeah. about marketing? Yeah. Oh, for your own staff, yeah. For, staff. for my own staff, when I was looking for, you know, technicians or even people in the office or answering the phone and dispatcher, um, those five steps that we, we never did when I was talking about the mirror test for my brother, is that you should always be recruiting. Now, you have to go to where they are, which, of course, has changed. You know, years ago, it used to be newspapers. Then it was in magazines. You know, nowadays, it's online. And it's also, you know, which... Where are they? Facebook, Glassdoor, you know, there's all these other sites that you, wherever they are looking is where you need to be. Yeah. Now, if you can provide the skills, then you don't have to hire on skills and hope that they're willing because your goal is to hire somebody very willing and provide all the skills because that widens out this thing, which solves this choke point that you have with the company. So the better you do a, a recruiting, and then, you know, better at, in the hiring process, which was, you know, we did a really good job of uh, personality profile, which is called motivational mapping, which is a nicer term than <laughs> profiling people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but it's, it's a good indication of who they are and how they work in the world. Yeah. So, for instance, there's one test. If you don't have any task talent, which focus on a task and get it done, it's really hard to be a technician. Mm-hmm. It's actually hard to be a bookkeeper. But you can be good on the phone. You follow yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. you would like all things being equal. They're not absolutes, but they're good indicators. Plus, like I was saying before, is to you know put them on and find out what they really can do, and then find out the holes so that you can put together a better training program for them. And so again, manuals. And yes, I do sell manuals, so mm-hmm. I have a little prejudice. But I will tell you that without manuals, I can't really see it. We you know we were hit pretty hard here with COVID. Mm-hmm. I know it's a little different in Australia, New Zealand, but I mean it's really was. Yeah. And it yeah. still is. Yeah. But my guys didn't really suffer because we always had stuff on PPE, personal protection equipment. We were able to operate remotely. So these guys just had to tweak the manuals to be able to do that stuff. And without those things, it makes it very, yeah. very difficult to replicate yourself. Mm-hmm. So hiring gets better with manuals because that every week they're in meetings. And what are they going over? You know, how they do their job, which is kind really? of tied to the manuals. And yeah. then there's role plays, which is, on the phone, somebody calls up, somebody answers the phone. Let's see how it sounds. What are you doing? Um, in the, uh, for the techs, you got to climb in the truck. There's yeah. no other way to do it. We used to do ride-alongs all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not trying to find them doing something bad. Honestly, we're trying to find them doing something good. Yeah. And then when I learned to coach, my problem at the beginning was I gave them too much information. What I learned to do is get in the truck and go at the end of the call and go, so what one thing did you think you did really well? And then I would let them talk yeah. because when they talk, they hear themselves. Yeah, yeah. When you talk, it's kind of like what my daughter goes, blah, 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 blah. They got to hear it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so the second thing I said, so on the next call, what would you do better? And I would say 80 to 90% of the time, they know where they stumbled. Yeah. Especially true. like I have a sales system about what to come to the door how to present yourself, what key questions to ask, how to get permission to do a survey, how to look at the whole job, how to present a menu of options and be a servant to the customer you're in front 
because ultimately they make the decision. Our job is to be an expert and mm. help them. Yeah, yeah. In interested to know with your with your manuals. Um, uh, let's say for a technician, you've obviously you've got a technician manual. When they start, do you hand them the manual, and you, you say you need to read read this, and then that's the Bible. That's how we do things. Is that the way it works? Uh, yes or, and no. or, are you, or are you coaching them through that process? Yeah, so here's what I share with all of them because you don't know what I meant when I wrote those words. Mm -hmm. You don't know the process of how it got to be what it is today. So whoever they report to, that is their job during what I call the orientation phase. Yeah. So recruiting, hiring, orientation. In the orientation, you're going through the manuals and believe it or not, you are reading it out loud because it's got to fall off your tongue. And really the way that the tonality yeah. of the good manuals are, it sounds like my big brother or big sister coaching me instead of you yelling at me. Yeah. So don't put everything in 25 font in big black <laughs> or red number because not going to work because that's yeah. not the goal of it. Yeah. And it's only 80% of what they need to know. You yeah. get to fill in some more from that. So yes, they get to know. Now the technician manual is what they need to know from the time they woke up to the time they go to bed other than the actual work, whether it's plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical, roofing, whatever, because I've worked in so many different trades. Yeah. Those are what I call the trade manuals. Now I do have the plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical trade manuals as well. But you know, there should be a manual, like I said, for the accounts receivable, accounts payable, for the apprentice that comes on board. And if you're big enough and you have field supervisors or team leaders, you know, just because I was a good tech doesn't mean I'm gonna be a good field supervisor. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm equipped to run a crew. Mm. So they need some guidance for that. Yep. Yeah. Mm. That cover it? Yeah. 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 yeah uh, I was right. listening to um, the Service Titan uh, podcast, Tools of the Trade. And yeah, your, your interview on there with yeah. Jackie. Yeah. And um, just going back to the writing of the manuals, you mentioned about not getting too bogged down with the, the, the dot point one and you know, <laughs> this and that, because you ended up in a position where you had to try and can you just talk about that or elaborate on that? Yeah, you know, for the 18 years that I've been working uh, with uh, contractors, if they have manuals, I ask them to send it to me. And pretty soon I know a couple of things. These aren't their manuals. It was something they got off from a consultant or, you know, uh, it, it's got no connection to their own company. But otherwise, it looks like Article 1-0.536, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. You know, it's like a law book. Yeah. You went to your, you know... HR outside resource person, or you went to a legal person to put it together. Yeah. Now, yeah, there's some legalese in the employer employee manual, but even that I went to work with a labor attorney lawyer. It says, it's gotta be as close to plain English as possible. But all the other manuals, if they don't roll off your tongue when you're talking, yeah. you gotta go back and fix it because it's yeah. overly complicated or legalese. But yeah, we, we roll them out and every week, Here's one of the key things. We have time. I know we're looking at the clock. You have time for a quick story? Yeah, yeah, let's let's go. Go. yeah. <clears throat> yeah so there's a company in Colorado, very fancy area, Vail Ski Resort. Think big, 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 big money, crazy money. And mm -hmm. so um, he's did a phenomenal job with all the work we did. We finally got in charge of the culture because when I first met, they were, they were the people inside, outside were button heads. Yeah. You with me? Yeah. Very much us versus them culture got the manuals in place, got the systems in place, and it really took off. And, and Jim is great because he calls me up every couple of months and just to tell me, you know, it's been great. I mean, I'm, I'm living the life that you talked about, less stress, more success, more money yeah. coming in. He calls me up, you know, probably around uh, June. And he says to me, I don't know what happened now, but all of a sudden there's a lot of that us versus them again. I said, well, what's changed? He goes, well, you know, because of COVID, we couldn't have meetings. I go, whoa. <laughs> stop yeah so the meetings that you run every week is where the culture is built and the manuals get back in in place i said if you have to do it by zoom like we're doing here today yeah that's what you have to do yeah and so he put the meetings back in this is how quick within three weeks he calls me back up and says it's like it never happened we're back to where we were wow. because yeah. the, the manuals were in the culture but yeah. the point of this is they fall out so every yeah. meeting once you've rolled them out, you're rolling out and discussing one to two pages in every meeting. So everyone who has a manual is in a, whether it can be 15 minutes, half an hour, hour, but those are the very most critical meetings 
to helping them get better at what they do. So you bring it, oh, sorry, you bring all of the different people together in that one yeah. meeting. Well, in this particular case, we bring all the CSRs, yeah. customer service reps, yeah. and then they talk about it and they have coaching on that and they read one to two pages of the CSR manual. Yeah. And if they also dispatch or you're cross-trained, then the dispatchers are in and they do the dispatch section. The techs go to the tech meeting. Uh, and it depends if you have a big enough company, you can separate service techs from installers. Yeah. They can be together for some of it, but then they break out to talk to their own meetings, yeah. which is services, you know, how good were my sales? Uh, you know, good communicate, how many callbacks with the rest of it. And then they talk about one to two pages, sometimes either out of the trade manuals, out of the sales manuals or the operating manuals. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for the installers. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of meetings. Now yeah. people hate meetings. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I've spoken to enough people from Australia. Yeah. You hate meetings as much as <laughs> you do. Yeah, correct. But here's why you hate meetings. Here's why you hate meetings. Because you're thinking about the meeting at your house of worship, right? Or you're thinking about the meeting in your local town village where all you do is this politically correct thing. Nobody wants to hurt anybody's feeling. A million people are descending on it. And everybody talks about the same thing that you'll be talking about next week and the week thereafter because nothing gets done. Yeah. I call those donut meetings, which means yeah. you eat a donut and drink some coffee because that's all it's worth. These meetings have a start time, an end time, an agenda. I actually have the 10 commandments for, for good <laughs> meetings, the yeah. 10 golden rules for meetings because we were so awful at it at one point. Yeah. And we didn't start on time. We didn't end on time. We didn't have an agenda. So the only time we had meetings is when we were really pissed off at you because mm -hmm. yeah. now you got us upset so we would have six months of a laundry list to go through so i hope you had no plans for today because you're not leaving this room until we go through everything <laughs> yeah, yeah and i'm looking over here going i'm not only here because you messed up we'll talk <laughs> when we get in the parking lot fantastic well we could uh, literally talk for oh yeah days. we could go on and on and on but uh, unfortunately we are uh, a little out of time but um, mate, we would love for you to stick around for the next segment if you if you are happy to do that. I am here. We're going to jump and, into. Uh, I think there's so much to talk about here. <laughs> maybe another uh, maybe another day. You know what? I I've uh, been lucky enough to be invited back. You know the trick is you can fool people once, but if they invite you back, well, hell. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's just jump into keeping it cool in the hot seat. Let's do it. All right. All right, guys, here we are, keeping it cool in the hot seat, Brad. In the and, hot seat. Um, we are back with uh, Al Levy, our very, very, very special guest today. Fantastic. So, um, Al, we've kind of briefed you on what to expect from this, uh, this round here. But uh, for those playing at home, we ask a series of short questions, and Al is going to kindly answer with his shortest possible answer, and uh, we'll see how we roll. Are you ready to go, Al? I'm ready to go. All right, Brad, Let's you can go. start that clock. I'm going to start the clock. Now. Okay, Al, if you were to write an autobiography, what would the title be? Uh, Big Al knows everything. Nice. <laughs> uh, if you could be a superhero, who would that person be? Superman. Nice. If, if a song described your work ethic, what would the song be called? Uh, Men at Work. Okay. <laughs> if you were a brand, what would your motto be? A uh, brand. Um, I'm going to stick with seven powers because that's what I am. There you go. Um, if you could sit with one celebrity or famous person for a chat, who would that person be? Is that dead or alive? Either. Albert oh. Einstein. Very good. When you go on vacation now, what's the first thing that you pack? Um, my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> good idea. <laughs> Don't leave home without it like a passport, right? Yeah, then I'll find my passport. First, I have to have my underwear. <laughs> cool. Um, if uh, Hollywood made a movie about your life, who would you want to play the lead role? Uh, it would have to be somebody very boring. So whoever the <laughs> guy is, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the most boring guy right now? Oh, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't that. even know. Uh, um, if you had, a, had to choose one meal for the rest of your life, what would that meal be? I am from New York, so it's pizza. 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 Yeah, yeah. Do, pizza. Now, now, just stop the clock, Brad. Just on the pizza front, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pull you up on this. Yes. I've been okay. to New York. The pizza okay. is number one. Like one slice is as big as your head. Yes. <laughs> Which then, is why we're so fat here. <laughs> <laughs> but 
you being the exception to the rule, of course. Well, but now, then, <laughs> not back then. <laughs> but then we have, in Australia, we have all sorts of types of pizza. Now, traditionally in New York, you have the cheese and the pepperoni pizza, right? Yeah, that's the two most common. Most cheese, common. pepperoni, and once in a while, maybe sausage. We don't have any of these, like, you know, peppers on it or the pineapple, pineapple, pineapple which is the most <laughs> disgusting thing. That, I blame it on California. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll, get, we'll continue to start the clock, Brad. Okay, um, here we go. If, uh, okay, so using a scale of one to ten, rate yourself on your weirdness. I would say I'm about a four, maybe. A four, okay. Um, if you were the president of the United States, what's the first thing that you would change? Uh, the election process. It's too long. <laughs> yeah. Okay, they're cool. Um, describe yourself in three words. Always working hard. Very nice. If you had a time machine, where's the first place you would go? Uh, I would get myself back to where I was 25. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'd, all, we'd all like to go there. So yeah, yeah. yeah one... nothing, nothing younger than 25 or the deal is off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, name one thing everyone looks weird doing. Um, I would say eating ice cream. There's no nice way to do it. <laughs> yeah, brain freeze. <laughs> brain freeze, dripping down your face. I mean, it's just, it's just ugly. <laughs> Um, have you ever had a sick day when you weren't really sick? <laughs> Only when I was in school. By the time I got to work, I never had a sick day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And finally, Al, your porn star name. Well, that one's easy because here in America, it's Big Al. Yeah. You survived the hot seat. You did, mate. You got yeah. through that. Well done. And, 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 uh, nice. Brad and I can't express how grateful we are. We're, we're a bit uh, starstruck, but, you know, we're a bit of a, bit of a groupie, you might say. We've, we've read your book, we've, we've listened to all your podcast interviews and whatever, and you haven't let us down today, mate. We, uh, you're everything that we thought you'd Fantastic. Thanks. I appreciate, you know, this is a pleasure for me. All the joking aside is I was given a gift. And, you know, I, I'm not religious at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I do believe it's very, I believe if you're given a gift, giving back and podcasting has been a great thing for me because you know we're in so much more of an audio visual world these days and mm -hmm. you know to your credit you guys read the book yeah do you notice how skinny that book is yeah yeah it's hard it was super hard to get that. Yeah. thank god for helena there's a lot of her that was my editor really we had to work very hard to get rid of the fluff and, yeah. and part of the other thing is i shot my mouth off is what i said was if a business book is longer than 150 pages I don't think the guy who wrote it knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. rambling. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, so I think what you're about to say, Brad. You've crammed so much yeah. into that book, uh, and it is a—it's an easy read. Uh, that's the yeah, thing. And I—I—I I, I must admit, I put it on Audible this morning. I woke up this morning, and first thing I did was I refreshed it again, played it on a uh, one and a half speed. There's a good tip there. Just to get through One it. and a half speed, and I smashed it out before I got to work. Yeah. So there's there's no excuses for, for not picking up the book or, or downloading the book. You know, it, it's it, it was really, uh, and I coached Helena about it. I go, you know, we are crazy busy as contractors. Mm -hmm. We don't have any time. Yeah, yeah. I said, so this book has to be able to be read in two to four hours. Now yeah. I hope they'll read it over and over, yeah. because they think they know what they read the whole way through. Mm -hmm but you don't, it really, it sinks in. And that's what I did with Michael Gerber's book, by the way. I didn't yeah. read it once and go, all yeah. done. Yeah. You know, I went back and I pulled it, and even Ellen's book, which is one of my most favorite books, is Ellen's book, not because she's my friend. But Where Did the Money Go? Is, yeah. was so monumental because before that I had no clue. My dad was a pretty good reader and he didn't have many of the business books, but he read Ellen's book backwards and forth. And I'll tell you why, because in the glossary, you know, the Things yeah. in terms. Mm -hmm. When I would ask my accountant what one of these terms meant, he would give me another stupid term I didn't understand. Yeah. You yeah. know, to keep me dumb, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And she wrote out the things about it. So I really appreciate good, short, tight business yeah. books. Is her is her book on Audible? I I don't know if she did an Audible version. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I but I know it's uh, you know on her site. 
can you ask her to do that for me? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the funny part of it is she is electric as a guest. I don't know if yeah. you've seen, she, she commands the stage. I think, I think we might yeah. have to have a chat to her. Yeah, yeah you definitely, you know, if you send me an yeah. email, I'll be happy to introduce. She loves her yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Al, thank you again, mate. We really appreciate you coming down under and yeah. doing this with us today. And I have been to Down Under, by the way. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the story is my wife and I, when you could actually go on a cruise. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Think, think all the way back to two to three years ago. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I was doing podcasting and then I ended up, I don't know if you know Matt Jones, Sight Shed. So I was doing podcasting with him oh. and Alan Ferguson from Omega Services in Sydney. And I said to my wife one day, I said, these guys are about this big. I'd like to go see them in person one day. Yeah. <laughs> so we booked the Australian Museum. It was great. It yeah, was, it's yeah. so fun to connect. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. We love it here. One day when you come on a cruise, we'll, uh, we'll have to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, guys. It, it might be All a right. while away. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm not going on a cruise anytime soon. <laughs> All right. So, All right, so uh, where do we, uh, so just audible to find your book? Where From, else? You're talking about my book? Yeah. yeah so it, yeah. the best thing to do is they can go to um, Amazon. They'll find the seven power contract. It has a paperback, the audible, and then the uh, ebook if they want that. Uh, yeah. As far as otherwise, I can go to my site at uh, the number seven powercontractor.com yeah. and they just go to products and they'll see the book. They'll see the, the operating manual course and the rest of the stuff. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, yeah. And as per usual, we'll, we'll link to that in our show notes, Al, so people can find you there too. So, uh, mate, again, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. And guys, thanks for stopping by and listening to the Air Conditioning Podcast uh, again. And uh, check us out at airconditioningpodcast.com, our socials, Brad. Uh, give us a like yeah. and a review. Give us a review if you, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Great. Uh, but until the next episode, Brad. Adios. Thank you, guys. That's all for this episode of the Air Conditioning Podcast. Be sure to stop by at airconditioningpodcast.com to connect with us, as well as on Facebook and Twitter, and join in the conversation. Until next time, stay tuned, stay positive, and stay cool.